We've been fighting a long time. We have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. fighting a long time we have all lost so very much so many loved ones gone but you are not alone there are pockets of resistance all around the planet we are at the brink you have no idea how important you are if you're listening to this you are the resistance Everybody, Steve with Sesvidelli. I'm coming at you with an old pal of mine, Dr. Paul Kangor, author of the book, The Devil and Karl Marx. And he decided to keep the devil in a new one, The <laughs> Devil and Bella Dodd. You may have heard of her a couple of times because people like quoting her. So, Paul, Dr. Kangor, how you doing? Good to see you, bud. How you yeah, been? good to see you, bud. Yeah, call me Paul. You don't have to call me Dr. <laughs> Kangor. That nonsense. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, good to be with you. In fact, I had one of one of my T-shirts that you got me, the Vendee one. Yes, yes. I was going to wear it. I should have probably, but instead I've got this kind of goofy looking <laughs> flannel shirt on because it's so cold here in Western PA today. It is quite nippy. Global warming has kicked in. Oh, wait, that's a different yeah, topic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Could so, use a little global warming here right now. Yes, I think of the uh, South Park episode when he's spraying cans out on the wall in the air trying to kill the ozone layer. <laughs> so, the Bella died. What? Why did you write? Why is there a book on Bella? We hear about her talking about everyone. Their brother quotes her. No one has any information on her. Mm-hmm. She's in the uh, the School of Darkness. Is the is their autobiography? The famous quotes not in there. Uh, what did you? What? What? What prompted this to come out? I mean. I like the idea when I was reading it going with the Holy Face message, the Holy Face devotion, the book Tans put out, we've been harping on, uh, Shang Shu's the idea of know your enemy. This is a great know your enemy book. Yeah. Hey, that's a good point. In fact, that's a good line. I'm going to start using that, right? It is. It's it's a great know your enemy book. But the way the way that it started, Steve, so I got to give credit to, to my co-author, Mary Nicholas. It really began with her. And she had a manuscript that she's been working on for for years. I mean, at least 10 years. She's uh, she's an MD, right? Medical doctor from Maine. And she'd never done a book before, never published a book. And she came to me several years ago and asked me if I would jump in as a co-author with her. And um, I'll be very frank in this interview, <laughs> but I, I said, I said, no, I can't, I can't do that. I said, I, I I would really have to, you know, write half of it myself. And, and she, she, and she, she said, "I don't mind. I don't mind sharing the credit. I just, I need someone to help me get this done and finish it off and polish it off." I said, "No." I, and besides, I can't. I don't have time. 
and I said, but I'll, but I'll do whatever I can to help you get it published. And, and I suggested it to people, a number, of, a number of different places turned it down. And then when I talked to Tan about it and, and Tan said, you step in as the co-author and I became kind of editor as well as co-author and spent, um, spent a lot of time on it, a lot of time on it. So by the end, Steve, I thought, okay, I'm definitely co-author. I feel, okay. I feel okay about this now. And, and, you know, and Mary to her credit, you know, she realized she's, um, not a historian. She'd never written a book before. And she, so she needed a co-author and, and together we, we put this together. It's about, um, I think it's a little over 400 pages altogether. And man, how many footnotes? I think there's over a thousand footnotes as well in this uh, this baby. Oh man, a thousand is the number of the day, really, right? Yeah, thousand eighty. Yeah, one thousand eighty footnotes. So it it is, but up, up to that point, this really remarkable woman, Bella Dodd, born nineteen oh four in Picerno, Italy, died in nineteen sixty nine, uh, April nineteen sixty nine, in New York City. And the only book about her was her memoir, School of Darkness, which is a really good memoir. And that had been published early 1950s. No one ever did a biography biography of, of her, which is stunning. It's really hard to believe. So Mary Nicholas was on this. And, and I would tell people, I've said, you know, someone, you, you need to publish a biography of Bella Dodd. This is a great story. And one of the things I wanted to, to do too, Steve, was clarify in this book for people and for for my own mind you know, what exactly this woman said about mm -hmm. penetrating catholic seminaries infiltrating catholic seminaries so we hope to do a service simply by clarifying what she said and going through all the muck on the internet including by you know people on our side who mm -hmm. we agree with and who like bella dodd and hate communism but but would throw kind of sloppy stuff up there that's not documented. So we very meticulously went through what she did say and what she didn't say and what can be documented and what can't be documented. Yeah, that's a perfect point. Because even like uh, you talk about the, the Great Reset, I've been pounding away for that for the last couple of years. And everyone says, Klaus Schwab said, you are old enough to be happy. No, no, that was some lady that wrote, a, wrote an article and it, there's, a, there's a TED Talk that says all that stuff. Right. So, yeah, right. Being precise is needed for team truth. We need to say what we we have to prevent the uh, provide the evidence, not just make things up because it sounds good. We got to be better than the enemy is. So, right. yeah, that's no, great that you're doing that. Yeah. Everyone talks about the famous phrase. I put what, 1200, 1200 people in, uh, in the seminar. Yeah. And you could and you could watch, Steve, you could go to different memes on the Internet. You could go to uh, videos on YouTube where you will hear Bella's voice talking and, 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 and usually it is her voice. It's very distinctive. Um, you know, New York, Italian, uh, and, and, and she's giving a speech maybe in Detroit or Omaha or somewhere else. And then it pauses. And then on the screen appears these words, right? Um, I put over and, and it's like, wait, where's the audio? Yeah. Where's the audio? <laughs> and, and, and then it'll, maybe it will say, you know, school of darkness. No, it's not in school of darkness. Maybe it will say testimony before U.S. Senate, you know, June 26, 1953. I go there. No, it's not in there. But but that said, she did say it. She did say it. Mm -hmm. She she clearly seems to have said it to Fulton Sheen. 
who became her her confessor, her spiritual advisor, her, her spiritual mentor. And um, we were told Mary Mary interviewed Alice von Hildebrand. Bella Dodd told it to Hildebrand. She told it to Dietrich von Hildebrand. Also, um, who heard her say this? Uh, Paul and Janine Leininger, who heard her say it at a talk in California in the 60s. We actually got them in a, in a sworn affidavit. Our, our friend Kevin Simmons made that happen. He actually got it on record, got it notarized. And in fact, Kevin connected us to another person who's still living. In fact, Janine just Janine died while we were working on this book. She died, I think, in June, which is really sad. She would have loved to have seen this, the, this book. But he got us in touch with Sherry Finn and had dinner with Bella Dodd near Plano, Texas in the 1960s. And, and she told them about it. She didn't, part of the problem is she didn't explain to people how she went about doing this, at least that we, what we know of. Mm -hmm. But um, she did say to these people that, that uh, place a thousand or over a thousand communist men in Catholic seminaries, or at least she helped recruit them and attempted to do that. Exactly how far it went, whatever happened to these individuals, we don't know. And we're very careful about, again, what we can say and we can't say, but but that's what she did. And people should not be surprised by this because there are numerous people who testified before Congress. We quote them in this book. Um, Steve, you and I talked about it in my book, The Devil and Karl Marx. Herb Philbrick, Manning Johnson, Ben Gitlow, the second highest ranking person in Communist Party USA, Louis Boudens, another Sheen convert who was the editor of The Daily Worker. In fact, Sheen brought him into the church while, while Louis Boudens name as editor was still on the masthead of the Daily Worker. <laughs> they all testified to Congress about how communists were infiltrating the church, and, and especially the mainline denominations. And communists themselves said that they did that. Uh, so, of course, they tried to do it with the Catholics. Unique about Bella Dodd is here was somebody, a high-level party figure, really one of the highest-ranking women in the party ever, in the American party ever, who came forward and said, that um, she helped recruit over a thousand communist men into Catholic seminaries. So uh, we should not be surprised by this. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. I'm probably getting to some of your questions. Let me say one more thing before I- No, you're that. fine, you're fine. Okay. One of the reasons that Bella Dodd was tasked with doing this or would have been tasked with doing this, she was a master organizer. She was, she was given the education front for the party. She was a teacher. She taught at Hunter College in, in New York City. And she placed about she placed a thousand, about roughly a thousand, teachers in the teachers union in the state of New York. And she testified to that under oath to Congress. She gave specific data, actual numbers. Uh, and, and she said out of 10,000 members of the teachers union, she placed a thousand communist teachers. And, and she also organized the longshore seamen, um, um, whatever, wait, can I get that right? Other groups, other different unions. So this is what she did. So it's no surprise that the party would have, would have gone to her to, um, to, 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 or, to organize priests or to try to organize priests or to try to infiltrate seminaries. That's what I love about you. You were reading my mind. That was the question, that was what I was gonna bring up. Why did they pick Bella? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think she writes that in School of Darkness, right? About the numbers 
uh, in the teachers union. And yeah, she's very specific about it. And, and now this is very important. She says nothing in School of Darkness about infiltrating seminaries. And here right. people are going to ask, OK, well, why? Well, ac according to Alice von Hildebrand, who, who told us this, he told she told Mary Nicholas, Alice died in I think it was January 2022. She was 98 years old. And, and Alice said this repeatedly on video. In fact, she uh, Michael Voris of Church Militant uh, interviewed her. And you can find that on YouTube where she says this. She wrote it in Crisis Magazine. She wrote it in her memoirs. She said a, bu a bunch of times that Bella Dodd said that Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen asked her not to name names and to keep this quiet, which is why she didn't talk about it in public speeches. She didn't write about it publicly. And she told Sheen, she, she said, I should go into the most penitential order on the planet and spend the rest of my life pleading for forgiveness and making reparation for what I did. And, and Sheen said, no, don't do that. Here's what I think you should do. You, you should instead go out and tell the world about the dangers of communism, which is what Pope Pius XI told Sheen to do mm -hmm. in the 1930s. And, and so Bella Dodd went out and did exactly that, uh, testifying, giving speeches everywhere. But um, she did not want to, or Sheen did not want her to divulge any names or talk about what she did because it would cause scandal in the church. Hey, could you guys bring up the uh, conversation between Dietrich and Alice and her? I mean, Dietrich's going, give me the names. I got somebody in there. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, uh, Alice said that Dietrich kind of leaned forward, almost le leapt up in the seat. Yeah. And and she, and he, he said, he said um, I have this feeling that the church has been infiltrated. And, and, she, and she said, you feel it. I know it. That's what Bella Dodd said. And, and he said, what, what are you talking about? And that's, that's when, when she explained what, what she had done. But those are in private conversations. Mm -hmm. And so here, here again, the cynic might say, well, Sheen told her not to tell anyone. Well, yeah, but she's human. And, and we had certain cases where she did seem to tell some people. And, um, and she did seem to say it at one time in a public speech in Orange County, California in the 1960s because that's where Janine and Paul Leininger heard her say it. And, and I'll, I'll issue this request right now on your show here, Steve. If anybody watching this um, heard was there and heard her say this or had another occasion like Sherry Finn, who's 82 years old, still alive, her and her husband had dinner with Bella in the, in the 60s and heard her say it, please get in touch with me because it will add you to the list of witnesses. And I think the more that we can affirm that, that, that Bella Dodd at least said this, we can at least document that, um, that she did say it and, 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 and attempted to do it. Now, what happened after that? That's another issue altogether. But, but you know, it's, it's, I think at least it's a good enough thing to document that she actually said it. I like you bring up, uh, she was careful because she was a lawyer. What was she? She knew that if she said it, she could get sued. Yeah, that that's that's exactly right. She she could get sued, and I'm I'm flipping through here. I boy, can I get this quick enough? Oh, good, I got it, I got it, good, I found it. She was among the people that she seemed to have clearly told. All right, so she was she was she was baptized by Fulton Sheen uh -huh. on April seventh, nineteen fifty-two. Okay, 
she uh, he heard her confession on that day. That's after a year of Sheen giving her instruction to come into the church. All right, now this can't be a coincidence. Three weeks after that, she so right right after this, Sheen went to Rome. He went to Italy. I don't know if he took a boat. I don't know if he took a plane. Um, if he took a boat, probably took a couple weeks to get there. But on the front page of the New York Times on April 28, 1952, now he baptized her and heard her confession on April 7th. All right, this appears on the front page of the New York Times, April 28, 1952. The headline, Sheen in Rome says red agents tried to infiltrate the priesthood. Now, I'll pause right there, people watching. Do you believe Fulton Sheen? And the article reported, American communists, according to Sheen, were under secret orders in 1936 to infiltrate the Roman Catholic priesthood. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said today, the 57-year-old auxiliary bishop of New York spoke to an overflowing congregation in the American Catholic Church of Santa Susana, St. Susana in Rome. Said Sheen, quote, this was the beginning of the planning of forces of evil communism within the religious communities to destroy them from within. And then Sheen said this, and Steve, where, where would Sheen have gotten this but from Belladon? Yeah, yeah. A call for volunteers to enter religious orders and make the great sacrifices of the life of a seminarian was made at a secret red meeting in a large American city. <laughs> That's New York. I mean, it's he. I mean, he's he's clearly he's clearly getting that from Belladon. Clearly getting it from Belladon. Yeah. Uh, now I don't know if if he got it from her in the confessional for the first time. Then he probably she probably had told him prior to that. Frankly, uh, and that, as far as we've been able to find, is the only instance where where Sheen ever said that publicly. And maybe after that speech, maybe after that appeared, someone else in the church said to Sheen, hey, we need to, we need to not talk about this. And it, go out and go after communism and attack it. Like Divinity Redemptorist said, the 1937 encyclical, call it a satanic scourge. Bella described it as the devil, right? You know, fighting against the devil. Go after it, take it down. But let's, let's try to protect the church here and be careful about, about what we say. And one of her quotes was talking about the, the if the devil be my companion, I will go to him wherever he goes. And right. all that stuff you write about, I guess you got it from all the foyers uh, you asked for leading up to the conversion story where she made the conversion story that much a great read, if you want to say. Just the heartwarming beauty out of it was you had to build that up to get to the Sheen conversion. Yeah. In fact, I just I just got the hard copy of the book last week and 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 before I, I I clicked the link here to do the show today, I went back and I read the chapter on Sheen. It's the next the next to the last chapter of the book, just to kind of refresh my memory and some of the details. And I got choked up reading it, and just you know, the way that that he handled her when so she she's going to D.C. She's being monitored by the FBI and the KGB. She runs into Congressman Christopher McGrath, an old friend from New York who represented her district. And he, she goes to his office and he says, Bella, isn't there anything I can do for you? Can I help you? And, and she said, no, you know, there's really nothing I can do. And then it hit him. He, he said, would you like to see a priest? And she said it jumped out of her. She, she said, yes, yes. 
And so he had his secretary. So let's see if we can get Monsignor Sheen from Catholic University. So they so they called over his secretary called over and she said, come on over to my house uh, tonight. And so she goes there and and he walks in and and his he's wearing the cross that he wore on TV. She said, just like on TV, right? Uh -huh. Exactly like TV. Walked into the room, immediately puts her at ease and says, uh, you know, he, he says, us priests are like doctors. Sometimes we can recognize what's wrong with a patient just, just by looking at it. Yeah yeah. Oh, she, yeah, yeah. And she starts to cry. And, you know, he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, there, there, it's okay. And she wrote in School of Darkness, you know, he didn't say to me, you old Bolshevik hag, you know, what are you doing here? And that's how the communists treated her. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they threatened her. They threatened her life. They called her racist. <laughs> That's what they always do, right? Uh, Anti-Semite, anti-Puerto Rican, anti-Negro. These were the words that the Associated Press reporter called. They've been doing this, Steve, for a hundred years. All right, right. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> this is right, you know, right out of the playbook, right? Yeah, what, yeah. Is what do I call my opponent? Hmm. <laughs> oh, racist. <laughs> oh, next page. Uh, bigot. Um, <laughs> anti-semite you know it's, just, it's 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 what they do but but so but so he put his hand on on her shoulder and um she and she she was he was all mercy and she said before we knew it there we were you know kneeling in front of this statue of the blessed mother and um and you know that was the start of her conversion he ended up giving her instruction in the faith not not long after that because uh, you brought up uh is it Boudens? B-U-D-N-C? Yeah, Louis Boudens. Yeah, yeah, Louis. And he brings up that, that you brought him up earlier so he's another convert, but what he stated to Congress uh, in 22 November. Yeah, that's a great quote. Obliterating all religion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, attacking the Catholic Church as, um, as part of a plan to obliterate all religion. Yeah, yeah. And another quote that's really telling is um, so that's Louis Boudin's, an ex-communist who was the literal head, of, the literal editor of the Daily Worker. Um, you could take people like Earl Browder, who was head of Communist Party USA, and I'll quote him in the book, uh, telling the telling seminarians at Union Theological Seminary in New York, which has always been a left-wing Protestant seminary, and he said to them, "You may be surprised to know that we have preachers." Preachers active in churches who are Communist Party members. And yeah, you ought to be surprised because you're supposed to be an atheist if, if you're the Communist Party. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's virtually a requirement yeah, for yeah. In, in those days. You know, William Z. Foster said that in testimony uh, to, to, to Congress. And so why would these Protestant ministers be? Now, note, now note Browder didn't say we have preachers who are sympathetic to communists, right, to communism who agree with us on social justice, right? He said, no, we have actual party members who are current preachers. Well, those guys, those guys are infiltrators. That, that's who they are. So um, what, they're gonna go, the, the party's gonna go after the Russian Orthodox Church in Russia, every single church, Protestant or Catholic in Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain. It's gonna go into the Methodist Church the Presbyterian Church, the Episcopal Church, but they're not going to target the Roman Catholic Church? Uh, please. So, of course, they did. It's just been a matter of that one was harder for them to get and harder to document. But the one person who saw it probably better than anybody else was Belladon. It's funny you brought up the Russian Orthodox because there was that part in there where you bring up the Russians saying, 
how they basically got corrupted with the divorce, contraception, abortion, the numbers going up. You bring up how the abortion numbers out there were just astronomical compared to what they are here. Right. And get into how basically, well, Fabian School, the Frankfurt School, and the family. There's the Ingalls book on the family. And Bella had a couple of divorces to go with. What, she won or two? Yeah. So they, um, I mean, there was a piece in the Atlantic roughly the year, and I think 1929, um, called the, the the communist attempt to abolish the family or something oh. like that. It was it was that bad. Of course, in, uh, in the Communist Manifesto, Marx and Ingalls write, quote, abolition of the family, exclamation mark. Even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists, unquote. That's verbatim from the Communist Manifesto, which is why you know, our, our popes and our church and the magisterium read the Communist Manifesto, unlike a lot of modern millennials who say, yes. communism's a pretty good idea. If you just read the book, it talks about sharing the wealth, right? No, read the book. It talks about abolition of the family and all kinds of crazy stuff. But they that's what they set out to do in Russia. By the 1970s, in the, in the Soviet Union, according to official Soviet statistics published by the, uh, the Russian Health Ministry, they were averaging seven to eight million abortions per year. Seven to eight million abortions per year. Uh, that, that, that's, that's how bad it got. And in the United States, the party was the same way. And Bella Dodd was told not to have children. She says that she was advised by the party not to have children. And Steve, she ached for children. I mean, she she could feel it. She wanted children so bad. Whitaker Chambers talks about um, when his wife got pregnant, they just assumed that they, they, they you have an abortion. That's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, Alger Hiss's wife, Priscilla, had an abortion, with, which what I think would have been their only child. And according to Sam Townhouse, the New York Times uh, book review editor, wrote the great book on Whitaker Chambers, that just destroyed Priscilla Hess. It might not only did it hurt her her fertility, but emotionally, it just it just wiped her out. So you know, the communists were always um, hell bent on abortion and breaking up marriages and uh, and families. But that's how Bella got the last name Dodd. She married a guy the guy whose last name was Dodd. Her name was. Um, um, Maria Asanta Isabella Visono, uh-huh. which meant, um, you know, Mary, Assumption, Isabella, lovely, beautiful, Assumption of the Blessed Mother. Uh-huh. She had this very lovely Catholic Italian name. And, you know, she had this kind of earthly, true utopia bliss where she grew up in Italy. And then she came to New York and just got swallowed up uh-huh. by the public schools and the colleges, which turned her into a fanatic, raving, lying, document shredding, infiltrating communists. That was another thing it brought up was I didn't know about the lying part. It was almost like reading a uh, what's the thing for Islam when they uh, Tahi was yeah yeah Taki yeah. Right. Taki or something like that. Yeah, yeah where yeah, you, yeah. you have to lie to advance right. the, the role. It seemed it sounded like that. Yeah, and she and they were told. Uh, and in fact, I think it's in, in the chapter in the rap code air hearings that I talk about. Or no, I think Herb Philbrick said this under oath to to Congress that they were told that um, to to literally put their hands communists on the Bible and say that they believed in God. Uh-huh. if they had to right 
um, just lie. Put your hand on a stack of Bibles and lie, which, of course, is easy for them to do because they don't believe in the stack. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Lenin said the only morality that we recognize is that which furthers class interests. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that was that was communism. It is communism. They hate Fatima. Yeah, I remember you bring that up in the book. Uh, The I actually saw a tweet today from a Russian Orthodox who basically went after going at the Roman Catholic Church, uh, used Fatima's, uh, quote unquote, uh, revelations to uh, vilify Russia. I'm going, I just read that chapter going, you sound like them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, if if that's what he's saying, then that's true. That Mary Nicholas found in the Daily Worker a review of of the original Fatima film in the 1940s, uh, the really good one that was done by Hollywood that, that that was really well done. And and I asked her, I said, how did you find this? I said, this is a gem. I mean, they absolutely vilified Fatima and you know, the Blessed Mother, the film and everything. It's just, I mean, you read it and 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 you read that review and you're just cursing at the page. It's like, you, look at you guys. What liars you guys were. Um, but that, if there's a Russian Orthodox priest doing that, that's pretty, that's pretty sad. I was just, it was a layman, not see just a layman, but he's, he's okay. no, he's got followers. But yeah, New York was the central, was it the hotbed or the central location for the states? Yeah, in fact, I, I quote in this book, and I've been quoting it in all of my books going back 10 or 15 years, a 1948 FBI document that estimated that there were, I think, 60,000 communist party members in total in the United States which is a pretty good number because most historians have no idea how many there were because the party shredded all of its documents all the time. By the way, if there is a list of the different um, men that Bella and others recruited for seminary, all right, believe me, that list does does not exist. They would right. have shredded it. They right. would have set it ablaze. And and Bella, for the rap code air hearings, as the party lawyer, actually sets documents on fire, all right? Which, which, which was illegal, right? I mean, she could have gone to jail, jail for that, destroying evidence, not just tampering it, you know, flat, flat, flat out, flat out right. destroying evidence. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So the FBI, the FBI report said that of the roughly sixty thousand communists in the United States, half of them, half of them, literally fifty percent, lived in New York City in the five boroughs. So, you know, there was New York City had 50 percent, then the other 50 percent were spread out all over America. New York City was the hotbed of communism and the worst universe university by far was Columbia. That's where people as diverse as Whitaker Chambers, Thomas Merton and Bella Dodd went in as kind of, you know, innocent, impressionable young people who could have set the world on fire in a positive way, right? To borrow from Catherine of Siena, instead go there and become, you know, rabid communists. And, uh, you know, Mert, Merton w- wasn't that bad. I mean, Merton joined, I think, the Communist Youth League. But but in the case of Chambers, he ends up becoming a spy for the GRU. Bella ends up becoming a party recruiter and infiltrating all kinds of organizations. So that's the corrosive effect that New York had and um, and the Columbia University in particular had at that period of time. And she was even with uh, NYU uh, for 
Was it Margaret Schlock? Schlosh? Yeah, NYU. I think she went there for her law degree. Uh, and I don't think NYU has been as bad, but but Columbia. Columbia, Columbia was just terrible. And th that's where uh, uh, Nicholas Murray Butler and uh, brought the Frankfurt School from, from uh, Frankfurt, Germany, the Institute of Social Research in the 1930s. And uh, Nicholas Murray Butler was this kind of moderate, what would you call a kind of Eisenhower Republican type, although this is pre-Eisenhower. And he was completely duped by the progressives on the faculty, Robert Lind, McIver, uh, John Dewey types on the faculty are like, oh yeah, well the Institute for Social Research, yeah, Dr. Murray, I think we'd describe them as perhaps a little left of center, but, but they're committed to uh, serious sociological research, right? And then they come over to the United States and produce people like Herbert Marcuse, who becomes the guru to the 1960s new left, whose most famous pupil to this day is Angela Davis, um, the most, um, the most well-known infamous black female communist in the history of the United States, who is a mentor to Patrice Cullors, the founder of Black Lives Matter, who describes herself as a Marxist. In fact, in Patrice's memoir, which I have right here, the foreword is written by Angela Davis. So, and, and her guru was, um, was Herbert Marcuse, who was brought to Columbia uh, by these progressives in the, in the 1930s. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Bella, I think th then she bring up the uh, key words like democracy. She, she told everybody that yeah. we use these words. That's a great one. I, I, yeah, I tell it to my students all the time, and this just haunts me, especially as I hear people today, um, American progressives who say all the time, our democracy, our mm -hmm. democracy. And no, you know, no, we are a republic, but, but, but the far left has used democracy like that and um, it, it, for a hundred years, dating dating back to the communists, Lenin praised democracy. And Lenin said, when we say democracy, we mean equality. Mm -hmm. Or like Bella put it, they're talking about um, you know, economic democracy, right? Equality of economics, equality of income. And today, kind of Marxists who operate in culture and sexuality and critical theory and other things in, in, the, in the United States, they're applying those terms to other forms of equality, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be sexual equality, gender equality, some sort of um, race-based equality. And, and by the way, of course, we're not against racial equality. Of course we're not. But, 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 the, but, the, but the way that the people on the far left use these terms is, um, is, is not exactly what, what, you <laughs> what, what you initially think. It's like uh, Sheen, for, uh, he brings up in the book, he talks about Stalin and Hitler being two gangsters, uh, Pilate and Harry Christ haters. But when you brought up right. about that uh, that phrase, you remember he talked about if, if the world said to cover your eyes and the church comes out and says, no, don't cover your eyes. You need them to see. The world will come out, look at them. They're, they're, abusing, the, they're abusing the eye. They're, they're eye haters or something like that. Right, right, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's so like the world changes these words around and uh, Bella helped expose these. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Bella said with democracy, she said they use that word all the time, democracy. And they would also, and um, I've been writing about this in books for 20 years. They, 
that they would they would tap into the American founders. So one of their one of their books, who who wrote it? He shared the editorial page with Barack Obama's mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, the, the Chicago star Howard. Oh, I can't remember his last name, but he did the book called Citizen Tom Paine. So they fashioned themselves as modern day revolutionaries. So they would tell people, well, we're just like the American founding fathers. You know, we, we're revolutionaries just like them. And they had in, in their, their schools around the country, the communist schools were called Lincoln schools. Abraham Lincoln schools. In fact, the group of American communists that went to fight for the communists in the Spanish Civil War in 1936 to 1938 called themselves the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, <laughs> you know, not the Karl Marx Brigade. That would have been a little too transparent. Not the Leon Trotsky Brigade, right? But the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. And in New York, they had the Jefferson schools. They started the Jefferson schools. They changed the name of workers' school to the Jefferson schools. So you know, the, the, these kind of things, this is how they operated with their front groups. I get this big, thick um, report right over here, 1943, Appendix 9, the Congress put out on, on, on subversive groups in the United States in the 1930s, 1940s. The most common name for them, aside from, the most common word used in the title, aside from democratic or democracy, is progressive. Mm -hmm. you know, they would use words like American League Against War and Fascism, uh, the Progressive Citizens Alliance, uh, you know, the whatever for democracy for whatever democracy. They, they, they were insidious. They lied. They deceived. And Bella Dodd was, uh, was part of that. She was a master of it. You guys bring up, not, I, I hate talking about the following two words, Vatican II. But it's, yeah. brought, but it's brought up in the book, and I did not know about the, uh, the footnote that you guys bring up. Oh, yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, when I first learned about it, in fact, I think in The Devil and Karl Marx, I wrote about it a little more positively. Uh -huh. I was excited to learn initially that Vatican II had these condemnations of communism. But but Steve, they ended up turning them into like footnotes. They, they, they just, they, it was almost a complete silence. It, that Vatican II should have issued a strong, strong, denunciation of communism, as the church had been doing at that point since Pius IX published Qui Pluribus in 18, November 1846, right. November, December 1846, two years before the Communist Manifesto was even published. But instead, they said virtually nothing about communism out of Vatican II, it, partly to assuage or not anger, perhaps, the communist bloc countries, the Kremlin, whoever, but, but you know, we speculate that if you're looking for examples of how, if there was a Marxist influence in the church, if they did succeed in penetrating the priesthood in the 1930s, well, what would have been manifestations of that? Well, one of them might have been a sort of soft on communism line of Vatican II. It's possible. I mean, do we know that for sure? No. Um, maybe more concretely, we point to ideas like liberation theology. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, that's that would clearly seem an, an, an influence right there. So, uh, you know, those are some of the ways that if there was an infiltration, it might have manifested itself in the church. You don't see that with the Jesuit magazine America at all, right? No, you don't, especially when they publish in, in June 2019 or July 2019 articles with titles like the Catholic case for communism. Yeah, look it up. 
people are typing it in right now, you'll see a, a picture of, of Evo Morales, the communist president of Bolivia, handing Pope Francis, a grinning Pope Francis, a communist crucifix. And that article is called uh, The Catholic Case for Communism, written by Dean Detloff, who's Canadian. And according to some sources on the internet, they, they say he's a member of the, of the Canadian Communist Party. But um, even if he is or isn't a member of the party, he believes that there's a Catholic case for <laughs> for communism. And that it, a Catholic publication would, would have published that in the 1950s, would have been uh, probably excommunicated mm -hmm. under, under Pope Pius XII's papal decree of 1948, was it? I quoted in the book. But but to see that kind of stuff now in magazines like the Jesuit America magazine about an ideology that the church described as a satanic scourge, it's really disappointing. And I think it's a total, it's reflective of a complete failure in the church and especially our universities and especially our um, Catholic universities to, to teach um, the truths about communism. How did... What was making Bella, now she didn't just run into Sheen. What made her right. start thinking about getting out of the party? There's, I think one of the parts in there was, it was almost like you can't get out of it. It's kind right, of like a right. Yeah, it, it took her a while to extricate herself. She really joined, um, finally, after working for the party throughout most of the 1930s at Hunter College as a professor. She finally joined the party in the middle of World War II, I think 1943, same year that Barack Obama's mentor, Frank Marshall Davis joined it, which would mean that they both joined after the Hitler-Stalin Pact, which, I mean, the Hitler-Stalin Pact was so insidious that it pushed a lot of American Jewish communists out of the party, and rightfully so. But people like Bella and Obama's mentor, Frank Marshall Davis, joined the party even after that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Still joined it. But, but she just started to see slowly by slowly the truth, um, how it was treated like a religion, how they handled dissenters. If you had any questions about the party or whatever, you were an absolute, you were, you were treated like a heretic, an apostate. They were brutal to anybody who let the party, left the party. She, like Whitaker Chambers and others, saw people in the party that they knew um, vanish, if not get killed. I talk about the case of Juliet Points which is a, an extraordinary story. Someone should do a book on her. And she was actually killed by, by, by communists for, for breaking away from the party. So they just slowly came to realize what absolute thugs they were dealing with and how truly diabolical the ideology was. It takes a lot of people more time to figure that out than others. And let me back up a little bit by saying, she, uh, Bella was hoodwinked into believing that no one in the world was fighting fascism better than the communists, which is nonsense. I mean, sure, they were against they were against fascism, but so what? You don't have to become a communist to oppose fascism. How, how did how did 150 million Americans fight fascism and Nazism without becoming Marxist Leninists? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. All right. But 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 a lot of them got sucked into it. And, uh, and, and, and then just kind of went deeper in. I mean, she talked about it as like almost a kind of, you know, satanic seduction where she, where she walked hand in hand with the devil. So, yeah, that's, again, guys, the, 
the book Devil and Karl Marx leads up to what is communism. And again, type in Dr. Kangor's name anywhere in YouTube. I you should tell somebody to say that hey, that's communist. Have you read Kangor? Have you watched yes. his righteous lectures? You might not know, you might use the word, but you might not know what it is. You might get that a lot, right? You yeah, might see no. That a lot. no, that's right. No, that's absolutely true. Because I mean, you got the uh again, Frankfurt School, Fabian. You had Marxist, uh, all in the culture, society, all different flavors. Kind of like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors anymore. Yeah, they said, well, they started applying Marxism to culture. And I did, um, people can look this up. I've, I've, I'm, I'm the editor of the American Spectator, and I have a number of articles on um, cu uh, cultural Marxism and its conspirators, a part one, a part two. People should look that up to understand that term, what it really means how um, those particular Marxists did apply their craft, their ideology to culture. And it's important for people to, to understand what's conspiracy, what's not conspiracy. Uh, it's, but it's, 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 it's very troubling and it's to the point where it is so saturated, so many different parts of the culture that oftentimes people are engaging in these ideas and they don't even know about it. Like the approved conspiracy versus unapproved conspiracy. Cause they, right, right. Enemies okay with their uh, Clinton a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's going to happen with the election. That's an approved conspiracy. Right. Well, and like Bella Dodd and the others said, I mean, with, with communism, it really was a conspiracy. Uh -huh. right? I, I mean, it was headquartered out of Moscow with the Communist International. They had you know, one party in every country in the world, all directed by Moscow with liaisons, you know, to this group and that group. And, you know, working underhand, subversively, not telling people what they were doing lying under oath to Congress and other legislative bodies. You know, uh, Frank Marshall Davis called it the church. Uh -huh. That was that was his name for the underground communist movement in Hawaii that he went to um, after he left Chicago, which is where he would eventually meet a young Barack Obama in the 1970s. So so, you know, they you know, they understood it, they understood it was a conspiracy. This you know, this actually was a very real conspiracy. So Sometimes you got to know, as we mentioned before, and you got to know your enemy. If you know which, if you know who, how you are, and know your enemy, you have a chance of winning. If you don't know either, you have no chance. And right. when we preach about doing the holy face devotion, okay, it's a good devotion. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But why should you even practice it? You know, stuff like this. His his many books on communism gives you the why. It shows the ugliness and the uh, as he brought up, satanic version of it. That's the why. To get you on your knees to start doing that devotion over there. Amen. Yeah, yeah. No, and and in fact, Bella Dodd and Fulton Sheen and others said, and and Bella said this under oath to the counselor from one of the committees, Robert Kunzig, and and as well as also to a couple of senators. And she said, you know, honestly, the only way that I really pulled out of it was to was to get on my knees and go back to my faith, go back to my church. So for a lot of them, they needed the spiritual strength of the church and the faith to, 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 to pull away from it. Yeah, there was a part when you brought up, uh, she goes to Christmas Mass, and she's thinking, oh, yeah. these are one of the Masses that I've been missing my whole life. Yeah, yeah, she rode around all over New York late at night on buses, subway, uh, walking around. She's very, very lonely. I think she was probably, she was depressed for sure maybe possibly close to thinking of ending her own life. And uh, I should add, the woman who really brought her in at Hunter College, even before she went to Columbia College, was a professor named Sarah Parks. And when people read that chapter in the beginning, they'll be angry. They'll be angry at Sarah Parks. And they'll say, 
you know, this is the kind of awful brainwashing that professors have done to our kids for a hundred years. And, and Sarah Parks, after Bella graduated, went off to Columbia, came back and went to look her up, found out, Steve, that she had killed herself. She had taken her own life. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, you know, this ideology that our church described as devilish out of, out of the pit of hell took people to despair. And the only way they were able to climb back out of it was through the faith. And in Bella's case, you know, the help of someone like Fulton Sheen. Yeah, who gave her a rosary. She's holding the rosary in her hand, yeah. keeping it keeping it near her and all that. Something as simple as giving a sacramental. Look at that. Right, right. She said she clung to it yeah. all the way home after that first meeting. Just clung to that rosary. Mm -hmm. I get people every so often. I had a friend of mine contact me the other day. Should I give a rosary or a medal to a, uh, this person? I don't know what they'll do with it. Here's a perfect example. Sheen gave her a rosary. Yeah. And she became a huge asset for truth. 